0: Today, we are continuing in our series, uh, Taming Busy. Uh, with, uh, we'll have two more weeks after this one of Taming Busy, and then uh, we'll move on to something else. But I hope that you have uh, found this series to be helpful, and I hope that you will uh, continue to find it helpful. And if you've missed any of the weeks, uh, I hope you'll go online, check it out. Uh, because I do think that there are some uh, pretty helpful things here uh, that we're covering. And I, and, I, and I can say that comfortably because as I've shared many times, I'm borrowing very liberally uh, from a book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And so many of the insights that we're sharing are from that book. And uh, so I hope that you'll listen to each week and uh, benefit from the things that we're finding. A few years ago, I was reading a book on leadership, and I don't remember which book it was now, but I ran across a very simple thought that has been extremely helpful to me. It was a suggestion from the book that we consider problems a normal part of life instead of looking at problems as being something exceptional. So, so that we should just embrace problems as the normal state of being. I'm guessing that the rest of you are probably a lot like me in this respect. I really don't like problems. I don't like trouble, I don't like difficulty. I have spent a good portion of my life annoyed by, frustrated with, uh, distracted by, troubled by, resentful of problems. I just don't, don't like them. And I see, see a lot of heads nodding that, that you're with me on this. Car problems, do not like them. Relational problems, don't like them. Work problems, don't like those either. People will tell you they're gonna do something and then they don't do it. Don't like that. Someone who's close to you, you find out they're talking bad about you. That's annoying. A boss has unrealistic expectations for your job performance. That's, that's not a good thing. A home repair project is more difficult than anticipated. How many of you can say amen to that one? Amen. Have any of you ever had a home repair project go exactly as you thought it would go when you started? Do not raise your hand, because we'll all be very upset with you. (laughs) Chris. (laughs) Home repair problems are are difficult. And and when I read this simple advice, I realized that I had developed a a very unrealistic expectation about life, and that is that my life should be problem-free, that my life should be trouble-free, I was treating problems as exceptional, as something that is out of the ordinary. And so this simple thought, embracing problems as normal, embracing problems as a normal part of life, nothing out of the ordinary at all has been very helpful to me. I still don't love problems, but I have noticed that holding on to this simple thought has allowed me to take a much different approach to problems. Uh, I'm able to face them. I I can't promise you that I, I face them all with no annoyance whatsoever, but definitely a lower level of annoyance, a lower level of frustration, much less angst, much less anger, and that's a good thing. That allows the problem to not seem like such a huge deal. I don't have fewer problems than I used to have. (laughs) I have the same amount of problems. Might have a few more actually. But my embrace of them as normal has changed me in a way that the problems do not feel as burdensome as what they once did. And just as this simple thought has helped me in dealing with problems, it's also a helpful thought when it's applied to busyness. When it's applied to busyness. If we view busyness as something that is abnormal, something that is exceptional, something that is like not the way life is supposed to be, we are likely to become very resentful about busyness, which only makes us feel more unsettled, more stressed, and ultimately leads to us feeling more busy, But if we can embrace busyness as a normal part of life, I think that we can reduce our resentment about busyness, which can actually help us to feel less busy even with the same number of commitments. And so uh, that's what I want to share today. I've entitled the message, Tame Busyness by Reducing Resentment About Busyness. And I understand that this uh, runs the risk, this message runs the risk of sounding a little contradictory uh, to some of the other messages in the series and the ones that are yet to come. But I think understood correctly, it's not contradictory at all. It is just complementary to those other messages. It is one more contribution to the topic. They all have to be taken together. They, this one has to be weighed with the others and all of them applied as complements Uh, To each other. The reason it's important for this message to be included with the others in this series is that we were actually created for work, which means that we're going to be busy. We were created for work, especially when you consider all the appropriate work that we find for ourselves in the Bible. The Bible tells us a lot of things that we're supposed to be doing, And when you you realize that the Bible endorses quite a bit of stuff for us to be doing, we realize that we are going to be busy. The Bible is full of stuff that is not the don't do this type of busyness, but is actually the do this type of busyness. Like it's Bible-sanctioned work, Bible-sanctioned things we're supposed to be doing with our lives. You could say it is Bible-sanctioned busyness. And so I want to look at just a few of the things that the Bible tells us we're to be busy doing with our lives. And I want to start with Ephesians 2.10. It is is one of the more overlooked passages, verses in the Bible. Eight and nine which preceded are much more famous, much more well-known, much more loved. Verses eight and nine say this, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Great passage, wonderful passage, full of truth. But then poor old neglected verse 10. Here's what it says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every single one of us in here today were created to do good works. God prepared in advance works for us to do. Believers are people who are to be busy doing good. If we're not doing good, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. According to the Bible, we're to be busy doing good. We also find Bible-sanctioned work for ourselves in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Most of you are familiar with that. That gives us our great commission, the work that is to centrally define the lives of every single believer in Jesus Christ. And here's what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so the Bible sanctions doing good works, and the Bible sanctions every believer working toward fulfilling the great commission. We are people who are uh, told by the Bible to be busy with some very important things. Scripture then is very clear that we are to work to provide for ourselves and our families. This can be found in a variety of places in Scripture, including Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, which I put on your outline, but I'll let you read on your own, and then 2 uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 is the one that I will read, and here's what we find in that one. For even when we were with you, Paul writes, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And so, and so there is this, this instruction that we are to work to provide for ourselves. We are to work to provide for our families. And so when you start to add this up, We're to do good works. We're to be about the Great Commission. We are to work to provide for ourselves and our families. And by the way, have you found that working to provide for yourselves and your families is pretty hard work? Uh, I mean, it requires a lot. The society that we live in requires a lot of effort just to live a relatively normal life. It takes a lot of investment. It takes a, a lot of work. And so when you start to add all of this up, you can start to see that the Bible isn't necessarily prescribing a life of leisure as the ideal for believers. We're to do good works, we're to be involved in the Great Commission, we're to provide for the needs of our families. The parable of the talents uh, that Jesus told, recorded in Matthew 25, makes the point that when someone entrusts us to take care of their investments, That there is an expectation that we not only protect what they gave us, but that we actually go out and create a return on the investment that they entrusted to us. Of course, the parable is uh, applied to our spiritual lives and that God expects us to produce fruit for his kingdom, uh, but it's also an application for our work lives. When our employers and, and uh, our customers entrust their assets to us, we are called to produce for them. We're, we're to add value to our business. We're to increase the profits of our employers. The point is that we're not to be people who just do the bare minimum. We're to be people who work hard to produce good results. And so this is yet another Bible commendation of work, hard work. It's work that is Bible-sanctioned busyness. And, and you see this as well if you look at the original assignment that God gave mankind in the very beginning. In Genesis 1.28, God told Adam and Eve to, quote, fill the earth and subdue it, and to rule over every living creature. That does not sound like a life of unending naps and Netflix binging, does it? (laughs) That sounds like there is some stuff to do. Rule over the earth. Look look after all of these animals. That, That is some stuff to be busy about. And of course, there's many more places we could go in Scripture where we see Bible-sanctioned work, things that we're to be busy about that the Bible endorses. But I think these five things make the point pretty well. Our Bible-sanctioned assignments mean that if we are to accept those assignments, which the things that that I've mentioned here today, all of us uh, should accept those things. Like God wants those things for us. And so if we're to accept those, we are going to work hard. We are going to be busy. We're going to be busy. Again, all of these are God-given, appropriate things that Christians should be doing, which means that we will be busy. We will be busy with the right things. God approves of us being the right kind of busy. And so this means that taming busyness, getting control of our schedules, having more margin in our lives is not a matter of passing on every difficult assignment that comes our way, living only for leisure, and throwing ourselves a lifelong me party. And since it doesn't seem like you love that line, let me just remind you, it came from Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. All right. If we're not careful, we can develop a wrong understanding of taming busyness, which will cause us to resent what is actually good busyness, appropriate busyness, God-sanctioned busyness. Taming busyness cannot mean that we'll decide to never allow ourselves to be inconvenienced. It cannot mean that. Doing the good works that we're called to do will necessitate enduring inconvenience sometimes. Taming busyness doesn't mean we commit ourselves to a life of leisure. Now, we need leisure. We need times of leisure But if we create an expectation that leisure should be our normal state of being, then we're going to resent appropriate busyness. You see, the Great Commission is not compatible with an entire lifestyle of leisure. It's just not. Taming busyness doesn't mean the we determine our entire lives must be committed to maintaining massive amounts of me time. Now, we need me time. We need that. Much of the series has talked about that. We absolutely need it in appropriate doses. But if we misunderstand taming busyness as always preferring ourselves above others and making relaxation our number one priority, we will end up faltering in the God-given assignments to provide for our families, to work hard, to add value to our employers and increase their profits. And we will falter in our responsibility to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. A wrong understanding of taming busyness will lead us to being resentful of appropriate busyness. And resentfulness simply makes us feel more stressed and resentment makes us feel more busy and all unnecessarily so. Just like I was feeling about the problems before I read this simple thought that said don't look at problems as exceptional. DeYoung says it this way, you suffer more because you don't expect to suffer at all. And I have found this to be very true. Men, we know this, right, from when we get sick? (laughs) Wives, do your guys handle sickness well? (laughs) Expect to suffer not at all. So get a little toothache. Oh... This is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. I have a toothache. And what's that do? Does that help us? No, it just makes the toothache seem worse than it actually is. This is a great temptation to this entire endeavor of taming busyness. It can uh, tempt us to conclude that anything that requires sacrifice... Anything that requires exceptional effort, anything that messes up our chill, I I apologize, is bad, is bad. And so then when things that God assigns us, good works, the great commission, supporting ourselves and our family, working hard for our employers, when that creates appropriate busyness, we end up resentful about the things God has assigned to us. It is so easy for us to become resentful of our jobs. And you know, there are times when when our jobs are are causing busyness that is unhealthy and, and we may actually need to look for a different job. But generally speaking, a job is appropriate busyness. We will be much better served if we simply embrace that busyness that comes attached to our jobs rather than resenting it. What, what, well, we've all found this, right? What is the better way to get along in your job? Always all torn up inside about it or, or embracing that this is my job and these are the people I work with and these are their, their problems and, and these are their idiosyncrasies and so I'm just gonna embrace it. It's always better to to do it that way. It's so easy for people who are busy uh, working and providing for their families to see anything beyond that. Things such as service within the the church as a real imposition on their lives. And yet both are God-sanctioned assignments for our lives. Both are God-sanctioned busyness. Both are things that we're supposed to embrace. We are much better served and feel less hassled when we embrace the busyness that comes with Christian service rather than being resentful of it. For me, one of the things that's easy to become resentful of, and it falls under that area of uh, taking care of yourself and your family, it's very easy for me to become resentful about the amount of effort that it takes to run a household reasonably well. The yard work, the grass never stops growing. (laughs) And and, you know, like this year I was longing for the grass to grow, but I've already mowed twice now and I'm like over it. (laughs) That's enough of that. But it's not going to stop growing. It's just going to keep growing. And in the spring, it grows so fast you have to mow like every three days. I mean, you don't have to, but... I like my yard looking neat, so then you have to. The laundry. I don't know about anybody else, but sometimes I I just, if I don't think about it right, I want to go curl up in a fetal position over the laundry. (laughs) It's like, it was all done. And now look at this mountain of laundry, it never ends. Dishes, cleaning, cars, cars. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that some of the newer cars now, they actually tell you you only need to change the oil like every 7,500 miles or annually, you know, whichever you get to first. It's like, that is awesome. That is awesome. At 3,000 miles, man, you feel like you just changed the oil and you have to change it again? Cars. Keeping cars clean. Some of you don't care about that. But if you care about keeping your car clean, it's like, really? I just cleaned it. Now it's dirty again. And these things just seem like they never end. And yet... This is all part of our God-given responsibility to provide for ourselves, provide and care for our families. It is appropriate busyness that is better embraced than resented. Is the laundry going to get done better if I curl up in a fetal position over the laundry? Or if I embrace this as just something that has to be done And so now I'm going to get busy figuring out how to do it the most effective way. What's going to be helpful? What is going to to bring more peace into our lives? Of course, even for good things, we have limits of what we can do. But if we will embrace appropriate kinds of busyness, we will be much better served than if we maintain resentfulness toward those things. If we we'll embrace appropriate busyness instead of resenting it, we can actually feel less busy, less stressed, simply because we had a change of heart, we had a change of attitude. Remember, the series is about addressing the heart issues, the heart attitudes that contribute to our feelings of being crazy busy. Sometimes it's not so much that we are so busy as we feel busy. And our attitude can have a profound impact on how busy we feel. If I resent the busyness that comes with managing a house well, I'll feel frustration and anger about every extra shirt that shows up in the laundry. I'll get frustrated every time it rains because I'll know the grass is gonna grow faster Be frustrated by the incessant nature of the dishes because they're never truly done. Frustrated by never being done cleaning my car. And what happens is these resentments, these frustrations do something. uh, An old phrase that I I think everybody here will know, but at least if you're over 40, you know, it's making a mountain out of a molehill something that's really not that big a deal, we, we, because of our minds and what our minds do, we convince ourselves this is really a big deal. And when we make mountains out of molehills, that in and of itself makes us more stressed, It makes us unsettled, it makes us feel busier. And what else does a feeling of resentment about our responsibilities do? It often fuels procrastination, over things that we ought to be doing, things that we're supposed to do. And so we procrastinate, which helps everything. (laughs) Procrastination just complicates everything. Causes us to be behind, more stressed, more busy, and then it all just snowballs. The fact that we've procrastinated, now we're more resentful of the bigger pile of work we have to do, we pro- it, it just snowballs on us. If instead I embrace these things as God-sanctioned busyness, get my mind right, we can actually get to the place where we enjoy these things more, put our energies toward figuring out how to do the things that we're assigned by God to do more effectively. This is what embracing appropriate busyness allows us to do. Figure out how to do things in a more timely manner, how to develop schedules and a rhythm to life that treats God-given busyness as a blessing rather than something to be resented. So one of the best things that we can do to tame busyness is something that we have uh, talked about in past weeks and that is to uh, embrace the right kind of busyness but then along with that is to cut out the wrong kinds of busyness. So what we're talking about today is embracing the right kinds but we also have to cut out the wrong kinds of busyness. So let's review just a little bit of what we've gone over in the past. What is the right kind of busyness? Well, in addition to the specific examples I've given today, it is more generally the things that God asks us to do. What God asks each of us individually to do, those are the things that are the right kind of busyness. The things that we have the capacity to do, those are the right kinds of busyness. We will always have the capacity to do what God asks us to do. It may not always be easy or convenient, but it is doable. And we will often have the capacity to do some additional things that, that maybe God didn't necessarily ask us to do, but, but that he's okay with us doing. Something that, that we can take on beyond our, our most uh, vital uh, assignments. We can choose them if we have the capacity for them. Those things are the right kind of busyness. And now the review part, what's the wrong kind of busyness? Being busy doing things that God has not asked us to do. That's the wrong kind of busyness. Being busy trying to control people. Being busy trying to please people instead of pleasing God. Again, being busy trying to do things that we've not been called to do. DeYoung writes, The busyness that's bad is not the busyness of work, but the busyness that works hard at the wrong things. And that's such a true statement. And so to tame busyness, we need to embrace the right kind, which allows us to reject and reduce resentment about being busy. And if we will do that, we will feel less stressed, less annoyed, less frustrated, less busy. I want you to consider the life of the Apostle Paul. This was a very busy man, with a lot of frustrations in life. He was kept very busy throughout his life. He had to manage the affairs of several churches that he had started, often at a distance. That is a recipe for a very busy life. It's a recipe for a very busy life. I can attest to the fact that managing the affairs of one church is enough for any human being. If you try to multiply that over and over again, you are setting yourself up for busyness. Not only was Paul managing the affairs of many churches, but he had the combined criticism of all of those churches heaped on him. He was criticized for being too harsh. He was criticized for being too weak. He was criticized for being too worldly. He was criticized for being too ethically demanding. His credentials were questioned. People complained about his teaching. And it came to him from all the churches, not just one. He had to endure unkind comparisons to the original apostles. He uh, dealt with people he loved and led to the Lord, rejecting the truth that he had presented to them and following after false teachers. All of these things create stuff to do and things to respond to and, and work and busyness. He endured mistreatment at the hands of people he loved. He stood before rulers. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. In the midst of all of that, he wrote much of the New Testament. And there are probably many, many things I've left out here. Paul was a very busy man. His was not a life of leisure, but he was busy in the right ways. And because he was busy in the right ways, he was able, in the midst of busyness, to say things like that he counted it all joy to spend his life and to be spent for the cause of Christ. He counted it all joy. He was the one who said that he had found out how to be sorrowful, yet in the midst of the sorrow, be always rejoicing. He was the one that said he had learned how to be content in every season of life when the waters were smooth and when the waters were choppy. Whatever was going on, he had found out how to be content. He learned, even in the midst of such a busy life, that he did not have to be anxious about anything, So he told other people, probably not near as busy as he was, don't be anxious about anything. And they said, well, that's unreasonable. And Paul said, I know what I'm talking about. I'm probably busier than you, and yet I'm not anxious. He was able to learn and affirm these things because he embraced the right kind of busyness which allowed him to endure much without becoming resentful resentfulness is a heavy burden that will make everything in life more difficult we have got to reject it we've got to reject it so what are you finding yourself resentful of that is actually something uh, that is part of your god-ordained god-sanctioned assignment let's let you think about that for a minute You know, some of us might be resentful about the busyness that is attached to our jobs. And and again, it is very possible that your job could be so busy that it is unhealthy, the culture is bad, and you might need a change. But it also might be that if you would let go of the resentfulness that you have toward your job and instead embrace it as part of the work that God has for you, and embrace it as a blessing from God, you might actually feel less stressed about your job and you might even feel less busy about your job. If you get rid of the resentfulness, you might not procrastinate as much on some of the work you need to do, not have things snowball on you the way they currently do. Perhaps you're resentful about serving within the church. And I, and I don't share this, I can say with all honesty, I don't share this in any self-serving way here today. I just, I just know it can become uh, an area that people become resentful of. I can speak from firsthand experience of becoming resentful of some things that you sometimes do within the context of a church. It is possible that some of us may be doing too many things, and need to cut something out. That is very possible. We've talked about that in previous weeks in the series. But it also might be that if you would embrace it as God-sanctioned busyness and that if you'd let go of the resentment about it, you'd find it much more doable, much more enjoyable. And what had been a drudgery would actually become something that you could be excited about. Simply because you rejected a wrong way of looking at it and embraced the right way of looking at it. You rejected a bad attitude and you just had a change of heart about it. Dramatic improvement can come to our lives from these simple changes of heart. Again, much like the example that I gave you at the beginning of the message. We can help ourselves tremendously if we will embrace what makes us appropriately busy, and reject our resentment of those things. I want to end with this: This is uh, I'm loosely paraphrasing DeYoung here. Sometimes we must be content with busyness. From this, we can learn that when we are weak, then through Christ we are strong. We may have pressure. But God can handle the pressure. Don't be surprised when you face appropriately busy weeks of all kinds. And do not be surprised when God sustains you in the midst of those busy weeks. God will do that.